this tracer. Okay. Hello. Can you hear me okay now? Just a little bit? All right. We've been having trouble with my lapel mic. And so, anyway, we tested it this morning and it worked just fine. Can you hear me now? Great. Perfect. Perfect. Um, my sermon this morning is entitled, God Knows. <laughs> I'm sorry, where is everybody? <laughs> it, it, I just, it's blowing my mind week in and week out. This is three weeks in a row. Well, let's invite our members to church. Um, if you have people in your Sunday school class say, hey, we're having church on Sunday. Uh, we'd love for you to come and visit us. And so anyway, um, I'm sorry, but man, it's just stark. And um, anyway, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're here. Thank you. Um, anyway, my sermon this morning is God Knows, and um, God Knows Our Hearts. And um, man, I, I, I'm sorry. I'm just having a hard time this morning. It's just, it blows my mind to stand up here and see how many people are missing. Um, <clears throat> let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, please help me today to preach your word. And Father, I pray that um, our members will find their way to our church. And Lord, I pray that you'll be with the ones that are sick. I know that there are those that are sick today and can't be here. Lord, I understand. Um, and Lord, I pray that uh, we will become mission-minded, Lord, because it seems like that's um, uh, more than ever, that's what we need to do, Father. I pray that you'll help this message to go out today and help me to preach it and um, and Father, just give me the strength that I need. I ask these things in Jesus' holy name. Amen. All right, let's try this again. Uh, God Knows is the name of my, my sermon this morning. This will actually be uh, from 2 Corinthians chapter 8. And I'm preaching through the, the, the uh, book of 2 Corinthians. And um, so um, that's what we'll be preaching today. Um, there's a lot of people that think that God must be poor. Um, you know, and that's a strange statement to say, but there's a lot of people that think that God must be poor because so many times in God's word, um, there's mention of money and a mention of giving and God talking about giving. And so a lot of people that don't go to church think that every time that they do come to church, and maybe that's why they're not here today, is they know that I'm going to talk about giving today and they don't want to hear it. But anyway, um, this is what is being talked about in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and also in chapter 9. And so that's what we're going to be talking about today. Now, with that being said, God is not poor. As a matter of fact, the, the Word of God says in Psalm 50, in verses 10 and 11, that, that God is the, owns the cattle over a thousand hills. The reason why that that, um, that is said in the Word of God that, that God is the owner of a thousand, uh, uh, owner of a thousand cattle over a, or a thousand hills, if I can just say it, is the fact that, that um, everything belongs to God. That's what it's basically saying. Everything belongs to God. Um, if, if I have income, it comes from God. If I have a, a roof over my head, it comes from God. If I have breath in my lungs, it certainly comes from, from God. And God makes everything possible. And so um, God doesn't need any one of us, but God loves us and wants us to be a part of what he's doing. And that's the, one of the wonderful things about being a Christian is the fact that, that um, God wants us to be a part of what he's doing. And we have that opportunity to do that. 
Um, there's also a lot of people that think that, that churches are wealthy. Um, they think that the churches themselves have all this money. They say, oh, we should tax them and we should do these things because they have all this, this income. The fact of the matter is um, we just should be good stewards as a church, right? We should be good stewards over what God gives us and the resources that God gives us. Now, this morning, I want before we get into 2 Corinthians, um, I want to read to you in the book of Mark for just a moment. And if you're taking notes this morning, I'm going to read to you Mark chapter 10 and verse 17 through 27. Mark chapter 10, verse 17 through 27. The word of God says, as, as he was setting out on a journey, a man ran up, knelt down before him and asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? So here's a man that is running up to, to Jesus, and we see this happening. And Jesus responds this way, he says, why do you call me good? He asks him, why do you call me good? Jesus asked. No one is good but, but one, and that is God. You know the commandments. <clears throat> do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your mother and your father. And so here's Jesus, and he's saying, why, why do you call me a, a good teacher? Why are, why are you doing this? There's only one, and that is God. And so he's actually saying to this man, you actually are talking to God if you really realize who you were talking to rather than just a good teacher. Even bigger than that, we know that God's a good teacher, right? But we also know that, that um, Jesus is beyond a good teacher. He is God. So the man said to him, Teacher, I have kept all these things from my youth. He's bragging that he's done all these things. He's never committed murder. He hasn't committed adultery. He hasn't stolen. He, he doesn't bear false witness. He doesn't defraud. And, uh, and he's honored his father and his mother. So he's saying, I've done all of these things. And listen to me this morning. There's a lot of people that think that this is how that we get to heaven is we just actually live a good life. And, and so when we look at this here, we know that, that it's more than that. Then looking at him, looking at the man, Jesus said to him, and you lack one thing. Go and sell all you have and give to the poor and you will have the treasure in heaven. Then, co then come follow me. Now I want us to stop there for a moment and think about what he's saying. So here's Jesus saying to this guy, go sell everything that you have. Do you think right now as you hear this, that Jesus is saying that in order to follow him, that we have to sell everything that we have? No, that's not what he's saying at all. But I mean, this is one of the things that Jesus is challenging him with because this man is wanting to approach Jesus how? He's wanting to approach Jesus in this way. He's saying, I've done all these good works, so I somehow deserve to follow you. And Jesus says, okay, then sell everything, and then come follow me. But look at his reaction here. He was stunned at this demand, and he went away grieving because, why? He had many possessions. He had many possessions. And what I want you to see here is this, is that Jesus knows our hearts. We can sit here, and I can tell you that I don't do this, and I don't do that, and there's a lot of things that I don't do, and I can tell you all the good things that I do, but one thing that I can definitely tell you right now is it doesn't matter what I tell you because Jesus knows what really is the truth more than anything. Amen? And he knew. He knew that this man had many possessions, and, and frankly, it seemingly, as you'll see here in a minute, was in love with them. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it is for those 
who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. But the disciples were astonished at his words. Again, Jesus said to them, Children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. So they were even without a, they were even more astonished, saying to one another, Then who can be saved? Who can be saved? I mean, if, if, if it's so hard to be saved, then who can be? And listen to this. Jesus says, looking at them, he said, with men, it is impossible, but not with God, because all things are possible with God. So what Jesus is basically saying to the disciples here is a lot of people will put their stock in their riches or stock in what they do or, or how they go about it. But really, honestly, the only way for anybody to get to heaven is through Jesus Christ. That's the only way. With men, it's impossible. I mean, I can sit here and say I'm trying to keep the Ten Commandments, doing a pretty good job, and all of those things, but really, um, it, that's not it. It's, it's um, putting our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Why? Because he knows who we are. He knows what our hearts are. He knows what we're all about. And so when he's talking about giving here, I wanted to read this because in my introduction, I said that, that a lot of people think that, that, that um, God must be poor or something. And I just want you to know that Jesus didn't need this man's money. He didn't need this man's money. What he needed was this man's heart. And what he didn't get was this man's heart. Because why? Where was his heart? It was with the possessions. And so this morning, I'm not saying that, that if God has blessed you financially, that, that that means that you're not going to heaven. What it does mean is God knows what our heart is and what it isn't. And so when we talk about giving and we talk about as we give to God, the first thing that I want to say is that, that um, our giving comes from our heart or it's really quite worthless. Amen? So, in God's grace, we are saved. We're saved by grace, right? And it's grace. Listen to this. It's grace that makes it even possible for us to give. Why do I say that it's grace even for us uh, possibly uh, to be able to give? Why is it that? Why is it like that? Well, one thing is, is I can't do anything outside of what God gives me the power to do. Can you? I mean, that's, that's what I want to say this morning is that, that, that um, grace, we give by grace. And also, it's grace for those that receive. Like, for example, I want you to think about our missions uh, this morning, our missionaries. One of the things that our church does now that, that we've done more this year than we've ever done percentage-wise percentage wise, is we are giving more to missions percentage-wise than we've ever given. And that's one of the things that we're doing. And so I want you to think about the people that, that we send the missions money to. It's not just like they're out there expecting it. But what it is, it's a gift from God. It's God's grace, and it's through people like us that are giving. And that's one of the things that happens with our missionaries. Um, Thursday, I was at a, at a foundation, uh, SB Foundation meeting, and one of the things that the guy from the SB Foundation, the S Southern Baptist Foundation of Texas, said in, in the meeting that we were having is he said that what he has found is that, that um, the more that churches give to missions, it seems like the more healthy that that church is and, and he said that they've seen that time and time and time again and so 
whereas we, we talk about giving and we talk about why do we give and, 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 is it, you know, and a lot of people are critical of it. What I want to say is the main reason that we give here in this church is really for missions. I mean, that's it. We're on a mission. We're on a mission here at this church. We're on a mission at this church to reach uh, the, the, the community of Midland here, the city of Midland. But not just the city of Midland. We also, through our giving, give towards missions as well. Now, with that being said, that kind of sets up 2 Corinthians in chapter 8, and I want you to look at verses 1 through 3. <clears throat> in 2 Corinthians 8, 1 through 3, it says this. The Word of God says, We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. Um, one of the things that we saw when we were in, in Greece was in the northern region of Greece, up in the northern part is, was the area of Macedonia. And it was really quite a, a rural area. And so when we look at this area here, they were actually quite poor. And so in, con in context here, when we look at this, we're looking at a group of people that were very poor. But, but when it talks about this, it says the grace of God that has been given among the churches, the churches of Macedonia. There was a lot of churches in a poor region that were actually bestowing grace. How were they doing that? For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. You know, one of the things that's amazing to me is, I mean, um, when you look at like a church, it doesn't have to be full of wealthy donors, so to speak, in order for us to accomplish great things because of the heart that God gives us and what God can do through us. And, and this is the case here in these churches here. When we look at these churches here, it's quite similar to what we do as, as a Southern Baptist. In the Southern Baptist Convention, you, you may be sitting here today and you go, why are we a Southern Baptist anyway? Why exactly are we a Southern Baptist? Because um, I certainly get asked this a lot on, on some of the forums that, that I'm on and, and those kind of things. And here's the main answer. Do you know the main reason why we're a Southern Baptist is because of missions, of our missions given, giving? And when I, when I say that, what I want you to understand is this, is that, that we actually, the way that we are Southern Baptists, it's not like that somewhere in Nashville, Tennessee, that there is like the executive committee and they run everything that we do in all of our churches. Our churches are, listen, they are local and they are autonomous. They are local and autonomous. We are a local and autonomous church. Uh, Christ is the head of Alamo Heights Baptist Church. And really we're quite independent. But yet, independently, we all come together as Southern Baptists, and the reason why we come together is to give. And I think, brothers and sisters, even though we may talk about some of the challenges that we've had lately, I think that it's really important for me to say this, that I think that we have the best way of doing missions better than any other way that I've seen. We have some of the other people that say, well, so much is lost on administration. You, you lose all the money in administration, and and certainly we have to administrate to be able to get it to um, the, the missionaries in the different places to get the money to uh, the, the church plants that are happening. Certainly we ha there is administration involved in that. But let me ask you this question. If we were just to go out and just do this on our own, if we were just to do this on our own, and, and, and our missionaries had to go to all these different churches and ask for money all the time, how much is lost on administration there on their own part? I mean, they spend four or five years going and begging for money. But not as a Southern Baptist. 
When they're called, they get the training they need, and they go out and they do it, and it's a wonderful thing. And they don't lose time, and, and they don't have to sit there and, 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 and answer a bunch of goofy questions at a lot of different churches, like, um, do, do you have a TV in your house, or something like that. And if you have your TV in your house, oh, then you're ungodly, so we can't support you. We can't give you $20 a month. Or they, uh, a Southern Baptist missionary doesn't get out on, on the mission field, and then because of the fact that they didn't report back enough, suddenly all their support is, is not there, and they can't even get home. Or if one of them is sick, they can't get home. The Southern Baptist uh, Convention does a wonderful job on missions. Right on down to disaster relief. There is no better disaster relief in the United States than what the Southern Baptist Disaster Relief does. Those that have been any part of it know that it's a, it's a wonderful thing. So, we look at verse 3 here and it goes on and says, For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means, of their own accord. Now I want you to notice that. It's of their own accord. And when we talk about giving, and when we talk about uh, uh, finances, and when we talk about even our efforts, like even teaching a Bible study or um, um, in, our, in a, the way that we worship and live our lives, it is something that you individually do on your own. And then we come together collectively as a result of it. It's not something that, that, that is, is required. Now, they help uh, the Christians and the churches in Jerusalem. What's crazy about it is where do we really see the church first starting? We see it really starting in the, in the Jerusalem area, and yet here they are helping those churches because of the struggle that they were having. And here was a group of people that were doing this. And they were not wealthy, but they understood grace. They understood grace. And so when we talk about giving, one of the things that Paul introduces is this, is, is grace. Grace. Because it's God's unmerited favor. It's God's favor that we have a roof over our head. It's God's uh, unmerited favor that we are actually meeting in a building like this. It's God's unmerited favor that we even get to be a part of working in the mission field for Jesus in our own lives. So my first point this morning is this. It's uh, the heart of giving. Let's talk about the heart of giving just, just for a moment. If we go on down to verse 5 in, in chapter 8, uh, the Word of God says, And this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord, and then by the will of God to us. What I want you to see here is giving starts in one's own heart. I mean, if, if I was to sit here and talk about how we give, the, the giving starts in your own heart. It begins with your walk with Christ. And giving, and I don't mean this just financially, by the way. I hope everybody doesn't think that what I'm saying here is just strictly finance, uh, finances. It is finances, but it is your time. And it is what you do. And it is even coming to church for pity's sakes. That is a way of giving also. It gives and it actually encourages. Or the lack thereof discourages even. And, and we have to work through it. And so um, what I want to say here is that, that, um, that um, when we look at this here, it starts in our heart. There is no requirement. Listen to this. There is no requirement at Alamo Heights Baptist Church that you give. Anything, give of your time, give of your money, give anything. There's nobody that's saying you must do it or else, is there? It's not happening here. Now, I got to tell you, just a reminder, um, because um, we don't pass around an offering plate anymore, 
those little black boxes around there, since I'm talking about money today, I will say that's what those black boxes are for, for your opportunity to give. But, but um, w- what I want you to see here is there's no requirement from that. I have a friend that he's from a different country. And, um, and so he looks at things different than I look at it. I look at my life as an American. I, obviously, I live in America. I have an American worldview for all that's good about it and for all that's bad about it, right? And so I, I have this American worldview. And so sometimes I even, I even look at um, our churches from the standpoint of what I've grown up in in American churches. But now he's a pastor, and one of the things that, that he and I have talked about before is he said before somebody joins their church that they have to go through a class and they make a pledge, and in that pledge it says that they will give this and that, and they actually sit there and they think about that. Now how do you feel about that today? Everybody's like, I don't think I want to say because... Um, I don't don't think I want to start something. Don't worry. We're not doing that here. And the reason why we're not doing that is because, like I said, this is something between each individual and God. It's between each individual and God. And it is is an act of worship. And so um, one of the things that I said to him was, man, we don't do that. And he goes, what's wrong with you, Pat? What's what's wrong with you? And I'll even leave out his dialect and everything. I'll just say that that he's astonished. He's astonished that we don't do that. And actually, what I'm astonished of is the fact that that this church, as you sit here today, in this building, we we are the the church, but as you sit in this building today, we're pretty healthy. Now, it's astonishing to me, and I will say that in the last few months, I don't know what's going on. Uh, As we see, there's not as many people, and obviously the giving has gone down too. I'm just being really straightforward while I'm talking about this today. But still yet, we are very healthy, which tells me that God's not done with us yet. And I think, I think that, that, that we don't have to coerce anybody to give to Jesus, to serve him. So giving also includes, listen, our time. Giving includes our time. When we talk about giving, it's not just finances, it's our time and it's it's our money, and it's, and it's our life. We should be willing uh, to give Jesus everything. How many, people, how many people don't stick around in a church because rather than give, they expect? And they don't get what they expect, and so they go somewhere else that gives. That's not the church model. The church model is for us to give in all these ways, like for, for teachers to actually teach our children for teachers to teach our youth, for, um, for all of us to come together, our teachers to teach our adults, for our preachers to preach the word of God and to oversee the flock and give account to God for it and all of those things. And these are all ways that we serve. We have the, the, the ladies that were up here this morning that were singing, and they're not up there just for us to watch. They're up there to help us, lead us to worship God in song. They are giving. And so our response is, they're giving, and so I should be giving to God as well, right? And so that's what they're trying to do, and so there's so many different ways that we give. Now, drop down to verse 9. In 2 Corinthians 8 9, the Word of God goes on and says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, 
so that you by his poverty might become rich. How many people ever really stopped and thought about Jesus being rich, <laughs> right? I mean, in the terms of the way that we look at things. But man, when you're, when you're God, you're, you've got everything, right? And Jesus being God, what did he do? He left heaven and he came down to this earth, went into a womb and actually was born for pity's sake and lived a sinless life and he died on a cross to pay for our sins to where we could what? Be saved, where we could be born again, where we would have the opportunity by his grace to give and to serve and to enjoy the blessings that he and the Father and the Spirit enjoy. Amen? Did any of us deserve that? Absolutely not. We absolutely didn't deserve that. And so look at the heart of Jesus. Just look at the heart of Jesus for a second. He gave sacrificially. Why would he have to do that? Why would he have to do that? All he had to do is basically just say, listen, Adam and Eve messed up and everybody's been messed up after that and I'm done with them and bam, we're gone. Poof, we don't exist. We don't have the opportunity to even live and breathe life and, and love our children and love our wives and love our husbands and love our friends. We wouldn't even have that opportunity, would we? But yet Jesus loved us enough to come down and to do this. He was motivated by what? Love. He was motivated by love for us. God's motivation, even though he's so mighty and powerful and so far above us and holy and righteous, he's motivated by love for us. Otherwise, there wouldn't be the payment of our sins on the cross. Amen? So listen, when we see that there, then what do we do? We give in return. One of the things that really bugs me about some of the people that, that I, I talk to on my pastor board that, that come from a, a different theological persuasion, and they think that, that God just um, picks some of them, and because God picks some of them, then, then um, they're some kind of privileged character. Man, there's none righteous, no, not one. There's nobody that deserves salvation. And yet they'll walk around like a peacock declaring that they're one of God's chosen people. And what I want to say here is that how can there be a love response when you're in, in, in um, a state of like, uh, when we see people today, they think, I deserve this, and I deserve that, and I deserve this, and I deserve more money, and I deserve a raise, and I live in America, so I deserve a bigger house. You don't deserve anything. We earn those things, right? And, and yet when we look at Jesus, we didn't deserve any of his love, and yet he gave it sacrificially. So what's our response? Well, I deserved it. Well, sure. I mean, it, I mean, as a human being and being a selfish human being, we all think, yeah, I certainly deserved it. But we didn't. We were desperately wicked. We were desperately fallen. And so when we look at that here, and we see what Jesus has done for us sacrificially, what should it do? It should motivate us in love. Whenever I, it, like, for example, when somebody does something really nice for you, and, and you didn't even ask for it. I mean, have you ever had someone do something nice for you? I mean, there was, there was one year where we were having a, a, a tough year. Uh, w when we were really young, uh, we were having a very tough year, and it became Christmas time. And around Christmas time, one day we walked out, and, and somebody had bought a bunch of stuff for us and said, we just wanted to be a blessing for you, the note said. Have you ever had something like that happen? Isn't it wonderful? 
Isn't it wonderful? And what is your response? Man, um, if we know who that person is, we're like going, oh my goodness, this person cares about me. This person loves me, right? When we look at the cross of Jesus, what should our response be? It should be, man, he loves me so much. I'm going to give him everything. Now, now, I, I, I'm not, once again, just talking about money. I'm talking about the fact that Jesus gave his very life for us. So we should want to give him. We should want to serve him in any way possible. Every one of us has our particular gifts in here, don't we? And we have our particular gifts and we have our particular talents. One of the things that I would say here is, um, um, one thing that I've seen is we've had people that would say, I wish that we had more musicians or I wish we had somebody doing this and that in the music in times past. And when I've seen that, it's like, well, if you can help, then get up there and do it. Not just expect it to happen. Why? Because you've been gifted and you have these talents and because of the fact that we love Jesus. He's the one that we serve. No, a lot of people think that we do it for your entertainment purposes for the next hour. And that's just not so. It's just not so. I want you to remember these verses that we covered just a few weeks ago. In, in 2 Corinthians 5, 14 and 15, the word of God says, For the love of Christ controls us, because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all, that those who might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. The reminder that Paul gives us is that Jesus gave his life for us to be able to live. We were dying and going to hell. And because of Jesus, our life has been given purpose. And because of this purpose, then we should be willing to do what? Give. Give of our talents. Give of our time. Give of our efforts. Give of, uh, of what we can afford financially. I know. A lot of people don't like to hear that. They say that we preach about it all the time. I dare you to, I challenge you to think about how many times I've preached about this in nine, in nine years. Not, not, maybe, uh, not even on, on one hand. Because I don't like to. But guess what? I'm preaching through the Word of God, and I'm in chapter 8 and chapter 9. And guess what it's about? And I'm not going to avoid it. I'm going to preach it. Number two, point number two this morning. We should give, we should give with a willing heart. We should give with a willing heart. 1 Corinthians 10.31 says this. Whether we eat, whether we drink, whatever we do, we do all for the glory of God. Have you ever thought about sitting down at dinner time and that is an offering to God? Have you ever thought about that? Well, one thing that I that, that it's really important is that we really are thankful. I mean, let's say a prayer before we eat our dinner, right? We, we say a prayer before we eat our dinner, but seriously, we should be very thankful for that dinner. There's a lot of people that don't have it. There's a lot of people that uh, are, are worried about having three meals a day and a snack in between, but there's a lot of people that are just wondering if they're going to have one meal in a day. Oh, thanks, pre preacher, you're making me feel guilty. Not trying to. I'm just saying that, that the Bible tells us whether we eat, drink, whatever we do, whatever it is, it's to give God glory. We are to be giving God our lives and everything that we do. How do we do that? Well, listen to this. We stop and we think to, uh, about it and, and the way that you do your job, the way that you go to work, 
if, if you have a job, right? We all have our jobs. You shouldn't go there and be the worst employee, right? You should do the best that you can. You should give it some effort, right? Why? Because you want to get a raise? It's better than that. It's because we get a chance to glorify God with a testimony. And, and so no matter what it is, we have an opportunity to give to God. The way that we live in our homes, the way that, that we live around our friends, the way that we serve in our churches. I, I mean, um, listen, I, I love coming to church, and it's not because I get to preach. Even though I will tell you, I love to preach. I do. I never knew I would love to preach so much. When I first got called, I'm like going, I'm sorry, but this is frightening. But I do love to preach. I do. And I love doing it. And so, yeah, I have kind of an inside motivation, I guess you would say, for loving to come to church. But I love to come to God's house. I love to study God's word. I mean, so many times we have people that are like, man, looking at the watch, and they're like going, you've got five more minutes, and I'm out of here. And I, I know that there's a lot of different reasons, but really what it is is we have an opportunity to hear God's word and for God to speak to us, isn't it? Or is it just my imagination? And so there is so many ways that, that we give. Going on down in chapter 8 to verses 10 and 12. And in this matter, I give my judgment. This benefits you, who a year ago started not only to do this work, but also to desire to do it. So here they were, they, they had Paul's acknowledging the fact that a year before that they had an opportunity to do something, they did what? They decided, let's do something. Let's give. Let's make a difference. So now, he goes on and says, finish doing it as well. Don't just say, I'm going to start it and not finish it, but start it and finish it. When we give to God, it's not something that we start and then we don't finish. In other words, I got saved and then um, somewhere in the middle of the road there of my life, I got busy and no longer had time to give to God and no longer had time for God. And so I stopped. No, we serve God from the start to the finish, right? And so when we look at this here, he goes, so finish doing it as well. For, it is, for if the readiness is there, it is acceptable according to what a person has, not according to what he does not have. God is not concerned about you giving more than you don't have. He just wants you in his life and you giving in what way that you can, however it is. And once again, I'll repeat, this is between each person and God. Um, so they had pledged a year before this particular effort. And um, a lot of people um, make a pledge to God and they say, oh, oh God, I'm so thankful that, that you saved me. I'm so thankful that you saved me and, and I love you. And, and, I, and I'll never stop loving you. And then the next thing you know, where, where are they? They're missing an action. They're gone. Why? Well, too busy. Or it's been a tough month. Or something like that. And, and so that's one of the things that, that we do as human beings. And when we look at this here, I just want you to know that, that um, we need to give God everything we've got all the way to completion. Amen? You know, um, here's a question. What constitutes a good credit rating? 
what constitutes a, a, a good credit rating? Well, here's, here's a really good tips, tips on how to improve your credit rating by Robert. Okay? Here it is. Pay your bills. You bought it, you financed it, pay your bills. Right? And if you don't, you don't get a good credit rating, right? And so there's so many people that make so many pledges to God. And then they got a bad credit rating with God, so to speak, on the way that they give or don't give. And this is what Paul is talking to the, the, the church at Corinth about. He's going, hey, don't make those pledges and then, you know, step out on them, right? And, uh, man, it, it, it's, it's so easy to do with church. We wouldn't do that in our jobs. We wouldn't, we wouldn't, uh, we wouldn't in our jobs, approach them the way that we approach serving God. We can put God on the back burner so easy. And I just want to say it's backwards. I'm not saying you should be doing a bad job at, at your work and not caring, but I'm certainly not saying that, that, that God takes the back seat to anything, right? God should not take the back seat. One of the things that happens in, in, in churches also is this, is there'll be like a, a fun drive or something like that. And you'll see a lot of hardworking people that, that, can, that, that are like me, that aren't wealthy, that aren't wealthy. And they do the best that they can. And they give the best that they can. They give the best of their, uh, that they can of their time. And then you'll see somebody will go like, well, um, I have, um, I'm worth $20 million. I'll throw in an extra 10000 Everybody's going, wow, 10000 Wow, look at that, that person. And, and let me just say this. When you look at the heart of the person and, and, and you look at how somebody's giving and, and it's like, man, I'm, I'm giving and, and I love God and I'm giving. And it's tough versus somebody that's like 10000 here, 10000 there, 10000 everywhere. Big deal. Which heart do you think God acknowledges more? And that's kind of what, that's kind of what Jesus was getting at with this rich young ruler. He's like, hey, give me your heart. Give me your heart. Like, um, if you have a lot of these possessions, he's not saying bring them to me where I can be rich because he's God. He didn't need it. He's saying bring your life to me and let's work together. Let's use the resources that, that, that I've given you to accomplish great things. And, and, and we get so worried about that, Right? But man, we see a lot of the people with abundance and they're like, um, yeah, I'll, I'll shine like a star. And, and really it doesn't hurt at all. But these people at Corinth were not those people. They were, they were people like um, Paul was saying, I know, I know it was hard. I know. My, my third and final point this morning is this. We give by faith. We give by faith. We're saved through faith, right? We put our faith in Jesus Christ when we're born again. And we serve by faith. And we pray by faith. And we give by faith. I mean, um, any time that, that, that you give anything to God, any time that you give something to God, you maybe don't see something tangible that comes from it. You have to somehow know that what you're doing is an offering to God. And that He knows it. And I want to tell you something. There's coming a day someday when we get to heaven, it will be acknowledged. 
But right now, it's very much like faith. Whereas if I, if I go to the store and I, I give to the store, I get something for it and it's very tangible. I can eat it. Right? It, it, so we, we give by faith. We give by faith. Um, I'm up here preaching by faith right now. That God um, w- wants me to get up here and to preach his word. And so when I stepped up here, I didn't know what was going to happen. I stepped up here by faith. I came out to West Texas by faith. Um, I trusted Jesus Christ to be my Savior by faith. Everything that we do to serve God, when we give to God, is by faith. Verse 15, as it is written, whoever gathered much had nothing left over, and whoever gathered little had no lack. What in the world is it talking about? What this is talking about here, it's referring back to when the children of Israel were wandering through the wilderness. And there was this thing called manna. And there were some people like going, oh, there's the manna. And they would get great big bags and they would stuff it full of bags and they'd get another bag and stuff it full of bags because these people thought, you know, I, I've got to go out there and I've got to get more. And there were some people that went out there and went, I'm going, to get a, I'm going to get enough for today. And they got enough for today. The next day came along. What had happened to those great big batches of manna. They are gone. It was rotten. And this is what Paul is, is referring to here. He's talking about this manna in the wilderness. Basically, he's saying that, that when we give to God, that, that we serve God on a daily basis. God will take care of you each and every day. One of the things that's so hard about serving God by faith is today is the day that we sang, right? But today is the day. Not tomorrow, not yesterday, today. I'm serving God today by faith. I'm really not even supposed to be concerned about tomorrow. And that was the message that God had to the people, the children of Israel in the wilderness. He's like, I'm going to take care of you every day. Don't think that you've got to do anything extra to win my heart. I will take care of you, he told them. And that's what Paul is saying to these people. He's saying, he's saying, and he's saying to us in in God's word, God's telling us, listen, folks, serve me by faith. Give by faith. I will take care of you. I love you. You are my child. You know, serving God is a day-by-day thing. And so each day we step out on faith. And we give everything to God knowing that he's going to be with us. Right? Well, well I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Wait. Wait. Did you ask Jesus Christ to be your Savior? Did he save you? How do you know? Well, that's how you know that to, he's going to take care of you every day. The same way that you trusted him to be your Savior, you wake up tomorrow, Lord, are you going to take care of you? He's going to take care of you. You do what you're supposed to do. You give to God of your life. You give God your time. You serve him on your job. You serve him in in, in your life. When we give God everything, we really don't have to be concerned. It should give us peace of mind, not worry. And that's why we serve God by faith, and that's what, what Paul is saying to them. We need to serve God the way that, that we were saved. 
trusting him every day. Let's shut this down. In verses 20 through 24, the word of God goes on and says, we take this course so that no one should blame us about this generous gift that is being administered by us. For we aim at what is honorable, not only in the Lord's sight, but also in the sight of man. And with him, we are sending our brother whom we have often tested and found in earnest many manners, matters, but who is now more earnest than ever because of his great confidence in you. As for Titus, he is my partner and fellow worker for your benefit. As for our brothers, they are messengers of the churches, the glory of Christ. So give proof before the churches of your love and of your boasting about you to these men. In other words, Paul is saying that, that they, when he looks at them, that he's looked at their faith and their faith is on display for all to see. And it gives people like Titus confidence. When we give God, when we give to God with our life and everything that we've got, when we give to him, it instills confidence because we see that God comes through. And it's a great testimony as far as that's concerned. And so I um, want to remind everybody, God is a rewarder of our efforts. He's a rewarder of them. We shouldn't worry about it. God knows our heart. And the reason why I keep saying God knows our heart, listen, if you're sitting here today and you're thinking, but I don't want to give God everything. I don't want to give God anything. I don't have anything to give God. I, I need it. If that's the way that you're thinking right now, he knows your heart. So don't bother. Don't give it. It won't be worth anything. Or trust him. One of the two. Don't worry about it, forget about it, or give. Basically is what Paul is, is saying with these people. But we don't want to be a bad steward. You know, so many people, they, they, they say, I'm giving to God, and they give to something careless, uh, where somebody can get their second Learjet that we see these guys on TV and stuff like Don't give to that. Don't give to that. That is stuff that's being wasted. You want to give where you know that God is, is really doing something. And how do you know? You look at what God is doing. All right. Before we close today, I want to uh, step over into chapter 9. And the reason why I want to do this is I really didn't want, I didn't uh, and chose and I prayed about it and didn't feel like I needed to preach about this two weeks in a row. I'm going to finish this today, and then we'll move on to the next topic in chapter 10. And what I just want to do here is I want you to look at verses 6 through 9 in, in, in 2 Corinthians. Paul says, remember this, the person who sows sparingly will also reap, reap sparingly, and the person who sows generously will reap generously. Do you hear that? This, 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 is, this is a promise from God's word. Does this help your faith? It helps mine. It does. Each person should do as he has decided in his heart. Not out of regret or out of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. Once again, I want to say, God knows your heart. And he's saying that if you decided in your heart there's regret, then don't do it. It's a waste of your time and, your, and the resources. But I just want to remind you, and the Word of God reminds us, 
that when we give um, with a generous heart and, and we are cheerful about it, that God will reward us. And you say, well, that scares me. Well, it, it, it's a scary thing. It's called faith. It's called trust him. Trust his word. And God is able to make every grace overflow to you so that in every way, always having everything you need, you may excel in every good work. God wants to work in you and reward you and work mightily in you. As it is written, he has scattered, he has given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. God is good. Amen? All right, let's stand. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. And Lord, we preach your word today as you've commanded. Lord, we love you. And we thank you so much for your son, Jesus, who's given everything so we can have life and have purpose. And Lord, we know that you take care of us and we know that you love us. Lord, we know that you're real and that our relationship with you is something that we need to continue to make stronger and stronger on our part. Lord, you've done and do everything on your part. Lord, we love you. And Lord, I pray that today that you will help this church. I, I, I pray that you will breathe life into this church. Lord, help us. Lord, thank you for the resources you've given us. Lord, if there's something that needs to happen that you need from us or need from me, show us what it is. But Lord, I pray that, that you see our hearts and know that we love you and we're giving you everything that we've got. And Lord, we know that you reward that and we trust you. Father, I pray that if there's anybody here today that doesn't know you as their Savior, Lord, maybe they've gone to church their, their, most of their life, but they've never really trusted you, never really trusted Jesus to be their Savior and, and ask him to forgive them of their sins. Lord, I pray that today they would do that. They wouldn't wait one day longer. They would do that right now. And Father, I pray that you will speak to each heart today with this message, and I pray that however it was supposed to be for each person, Lord, I pray that, that you do your work in that situation. And so, Lord, we love you and pray that you'll work mightily in our lives now. Lord, do we see a revival in our lifetime? We ask these things in Jesus' holy name. Amen.